Welcome back to another Strong Towers podcast. This is John Ackerman, and I just want to say thank you for sticking with us through this summer pause here at Strong Towers. Thank you for giving us the the time and the space to begin planning for season two coming this fall. Uh, so again, if you've not caught any of the previous updates over the summer, September 9th, mark your calendars. We're coming out with a whole bunch of new stuff for you, both on the website and on the podcast and a couple other places as well. But for now, this is the last of the re-releases of the stories of me, Tom, and Mike. And so today we're going to re-release episode four. And it's so weird to be going back to some of the earliest episodes that we produced. And so as I was listening to this again last night in preparation for relaunching it today, I was just, you know, as is often the case, I was struck by how many parts of our stories are unchanged after however much time has passed and how many things are already wildly different in such a seemingly short span of time. Uh, So if you've been staying with us through some of the last uh, few series that we've done before we pause for the summer, uh, I, I feel like I've been talking a lot about this new house that my wife and I have and the renovations that are taking place and what we're learning and how we're being challenged. And so listening to this episode from back in November, uh, when all of this was just the very beginning of the purchasing process. It's just really, it's really funny, honestly, uh, to look at all that's changed since then. Uh, but some of the other things that we highlighted during this episode on my story, uh, you know, the, the hope for children and fatherhood and beginning the adoption process and still hoping for biological children. Uh, there's been sadly very little mo- uh, movement on that front. And so again, I just, it was really interesting for me to kind of process what's changed and what hasn't over these last six, seven months. And then at the same time to see how much is seemingly radically different on so many fronts. Uh, so again, thank you for being part of this journey with us. Thank you for investing in our stories and thank you for inviting us to invest in yours. Uh, so again, as these things are having some kind of effect, whether encouraging or frustrating or whatever the case, uh, be in touch with us. You know, we, we love that we get to invite people into these conversations that we're having, but we'd really love to see these conversations become external as well and invite others into it. But for now, thanks for hanging with us during the summer. We hope you're enjoying yours, even as we're enjoying ours. And we'll see you on the next episode. Welcome to the Strong Towers Podcast podcast with one simple vision build up become strong so john the last time we spoke i was able to share my story with you and a lot of it had to deal with the father aspect and my desire to be mentored and and in turn to mentor my sons and i know that kind of hits home with you how does that look for you as far as your desire to be a father and to mentor yeah it's it's a heavy question only because you know like tom was pointing out in our last session that you know mike you're you're the only one from the west coast in our group you're the only guy with military service on your resume in our group i'm keenly aware of the fact that i'm the only guy in our group with no children that's not by choice you know my wife and i've been married seven years now and 
because it was a second marriage for both of us and we kind of felt like we were already behind the eight ball we you know we, we'd lost time so to speak and so the desire for children kind of coincided with marriage and so almost from the jump we were thinking let's start as much of a family as we can obviously quite successful with the marriage but have been incredibly unsuccessful with having children and so for 7 years now it's it's been an ongoing journey challenge struggle whatever you want to call it for me in particular obviously for my wife as well but for me in particular to be able to enter into this thing called fatherhood and to take my love for children as a high school teacher and a mentor and a one-time coach and be able to have that in my own home under my own roof with my own children and so that's that's been hard you know we've been talking about having unfinished stories with no bows on them and this is definitely a, an untied part of my story at this point is something that i've been desperately chasing and waiting on as patiently as i can and it's just not happening yet and so having to to find a way to maintain that hope that desire that passion for something that just doesn't exist and seems to be taking its sweet time so can you kind of take us through the stages that you guys have walked through in pursuing that dream and then land us with where you are right now sure so i mean i, I think like everybody who hasn't walked a road like this you start off thinking well, I know how babies are made because they taught me that in health class. And so this is going to be easy, right? Like we get married and and we have kids. And it was a it was a full year before we got pregnant, which, you know, I know everybody has has their own story and for some people it's it's a honeymoon pregnancy and for some people it's it's a couple of months after and you know, for some people they hit that first year and that's about when it happens and and so for us that was that seemed to be what was going to happen with us. And, and then at, at 12 weeks, uh, we miscarried and, and lost the baby. And, and it was, it was, you know, right on the cusp as we were starting to, to really begin some of that future planning and, and excitement and, you know, things started to become real. It was actually the day before our first sonogram. Mm. So obviously that was just, it was heartbreaking. And at the same time, it, once you have time to process it, there's that sense of hope of, okay, like maybe, maybe this is, this is possible. Like this is obviously isn't how we wanted it to go, but you know, there's hope, right? There, there's hope, like almost, mm-hmm. almost. Mm-hmm. And I don't want that to sound callous because I mean, miscarriage just sucks and it doesn't get talked about very often. It, it's, it's almost every family's, you know, private burden to carry. A- and so you know, we, we kept trying and we kept hoping. And since that point, it's just been nothing. And so after a while, after, honestly, after this long, I kind of forget the timeline sometimes, but after a couple of years, we didn't want to do this, but it kind of felt like maybe God was nudging us in the direction of, you know, fertility treatments. And it just, it felt like an incredibly unromantic way to to try to make a baby there's just there's no fun in it whatsoever but you know you you can't help but feel encouraged and and hopeful with the numbers you know nobody likes math when they're in school but all of a sudden you start seeing percentages that are significantly higher and it's like all right math isn't so bad and we went 0 for 4 Mm. over the course of a couple of years 
And, you know, that too, like you can't help but start to get your hope up more. There's already sort of the natural month to month hope. But again, when you see the promise of those numbers, you can't help but kind of put your faith in science and feel like, all right, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. This is going to be it. And like I said, especially we kind of felt like God was nudging us in this direction of, you know, take this step of faith. I know it's not what you're hoping for. I know it's not the way that you would do it, but, you know, trust me in this. And we did. And it it didn't work. And so, you know, we're kind of left with some questions there and obviously some some unrealized dreams as well. And and so just lots of waiting. And, you know, nobody likes to hear no. And nobody likes to hear no 84 times in a row, which is you know, somewhere around where we are now, you know, everybody always asks, well, you know, have you thought about adoption? And I love that question because I love the idea of bringing kids into a home that don't have it, you know, of bringing kids into a, a place where mom and dad can become a real tangible thing because they don't have it. And at the same time, it was just such a hard ask to accept because it felt like I have this dream of my own children, my own biological children that Brooke and I have created. And it was hard to accept that that might never happen and that, you know, it would, it would be adoption or nothing. Mm. You know, as we've talked about with this idea of chasing dreams, anytime you feel like you're being asked to compromise on your dream or accept sort of a half measure or a half portion, it's just, that's something that has to get worked through and something that has to get processed and wrestled with. And, and that's definitely been part of it for us as we've been trying to figure out what, what is this, what is this life going to look like as we continue to try to build our family? Going back to the, to the trusting in God and as you're going through these treatments and as you're going through these, these steps to conceive, how is that struggle for you? I mean, at times you, you mentioned trusting in God and having that faith that, this is what the path was for you. How did you deal with that dream not becoming a reality at that time? Like, how was that something that you pushed through throughout this struggle? Oh, we were definitely all over the map. And there were times where, you know, Brooke and I were at very different places emotionally, where I was feeling hopeful and confident and excited and, you know, maintaining my confidence that things were all going to work out. You know, she was just kind of in the, the depths of despair. And then, you know, a couple months later, we'd be in exactly the opposite situation. And there was a kindness in that, that we could, we could kind of pick each other up. And then there were times that we were in exactly the same spot, either both up or both down, which again, had its benefits. But when you're both down, there's nobody left to pick you up. And, and so we just kind of have to, to wade through that together. But I mean, it was, it wasn't predictably cyclical, but there were ups, there were downs, there were stretches where the downs just seemed interminable. There were stretches where we almost couldn't believe that we weren't down. It was like, where, where is this hope coming from? How, how can we be so optimistic and so yeah. encouraged? And so, I mean, you name it, we've felt it over these last seven years. And it just feels like the thing that we keep coming back to, and even more so recently, is you know either we're completely on our own and you know, this is ours to, to make a life of as best we can, in which case we're totally screwed because we've tried our best and right. <laughs> it's fallen yeah. woefully short. Or there has to be something bigger. Mm. There has to be meaning. There has to be purpose. 
God has to be in this with us. And as has so often been the case in my life, it's not the story I would have chosen on the front end, but there's got to be redemption in here in a way that I just can't see yet. Right. If I just keep going, I'm going to get to see it someday. And not that it'll necessarily all make sense even then, but it's going to be good. Mm -hmm. And as with all these other things in my life that just didn't quite go the way that I wanted them to, I've walked out of those experiences going, you know what? Now that I see where I am, I would go through that again. I wouldn't be happy about it, but I would go through that again to get to where I am now. And that's where we are now with this. You know, after seven years, I mean, things would be so much more comfortable in some ways, but I would not change where we are now for anything in the world. And so where you are now is that you guys have stepped into the adoption process. Yep. And so you had talked about how you liked the idea of adoption, but really the dream was biological yeah. children. And so now having kind of stepped into that process, how do you reconcile what the dream was with what the dream is now moving forward? Sure. Uh, so honestly, some of it was just my own feelings of inadequacy. You know, growing up, I was the oldest of two. And my younger brother and I are close enough in age that I never had to do anything with diapers. And so I never got that experience of helping to raise babies. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I didn't live close to my cousins. There weren't any, you know, surprise younger siblings that showed up eight years later. Right. Like there was none of that. And, and so as I've gotten older and as I've been around, you know, my friends, children, your guys' kids, um, I've just realized I don't feel like I know what to do as a dad. Mm. I know objectively I'm good with kids. You know, I always enjoy being around kids, but there are just skill sets that I feel like I fundamentally lack because I never got a chance to learn them. And so I always wanted to have the normal fatherhood experience so that I could start from square one, be just as clueless as every other dad was, and kind of learn the process the way that it's meant to play out. And honestly, one of the most terrifying things about adoption has been the prospect of you know finding myself suddenly with a three-year-old or a four-year-old or a five-year-old or a six-year-old or a seven-year-old or even an eight-year-old as the beginning of my experience as a father. Yeah. And just feeling like, what's happening? <laughs> what is happening right now? I literally woke up yesterday and there was not a child in this house and I woke up the next morning and there's a second grader. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know what to do. And I, I fundamentally hate that feeling to begin with. The I don't know what to do. I feel like a failure. And so to have that be my introduction to fatherhood was just really hard to stomach. Mm. Even before it's begun. I mean, we're we're a couple months into the process that usually takes years. So right. I mean, there is there's no concern that this is suddenly going to be my reality tomorrow. Right. But just having to kind of come to terms with this is what this dream could turn into is something wildly different than anything that I thought it was going to be. John, as these dreams morph and change and, and mature, I'm sure you also in your relationships have grown and new dreams have emerged and, and, and new things have come to light. How did those coexist with this current 
current dream of, of being a dad. Yeah, there's there's definitely been a few dreams that have cropped up all in kind of the same window. And that in and of itself has been sort of tricky to manage. You know, where do you invest yourself? Right. Where do you put your energy? Where do you put your thoughts? Where do you put your emotions? Because on the surface, they've all been wildly different. And yet, you know, the more we go, the more I see sort of a common thread emerging. But this was just in the last two weeks uh, that, that one of these dreams started to sort of flesh itself out into reality. So for almost as long as we've been hoping to have children, Brooke and I have had this dream of escaping suburbia and you know finding a place that maybe had a little bit of land, you know, a home with a little bit of elbow room. You know, I'm kind of a taller guy and my townhouse just sometimes doesn't feel like it fits me. <laughs> and and for the longest time, you know, I teach high school, my wife's in youth ministry. You know, we're not breaking the bank here. And so it just felt like, you know, this is a dream for another day slash year slash maybe decade. And just in the last two weeks, you know, stumbled upon a place, you know, within a half hour of us that seems like it might afford us a lot of those opportunities for space in terms of land and space in terms of house. But it comes with the condition of needing a ton of work. You know, anytime you see listings with, surprise prices you kind of figure there's a reason for it and oh there is a reason and there's a part of me that i can almost feel the desires being inflamed of i want to go test myself here i want to see if i have what it takes to take something that has so much potential and and bring it to life take this this old busted home that you know has a, a rich backstory and has some cool characteristics and resurrect it, yeah. You know, with with some of the the skills that I've learned and picked up along the way, and with a lot of skills that I would need to learn. Uh, thank you, YouTube, in advance for all, <laughs> all, all of the learning that that I will benefit from. But yeah, I mean, it having to to sit with that reawakened desire in the last couple of weeks, or at least a desire to, that seems like it might now actually have a shot at reality. Mm after having lain dormant for roughly as long as the desire for children. Yeah. You know, passions, dreams, desires, whatever we want to call it, that we've been trying to hang on to with, you know, very few glimmers of, you know, this is actually about to really happen along the way. You know, it seems like this one might actually be about to happen. And that's really exciting. And yet at the same time, I can feel the part of me that has weathered this year's long journey of of waiting going you know what maybe don't get your hopes up on this yet mm. so talk about that other side maybe a little bit because it is a big risk right of stepping into a project which on some level self-consciously you feel unqualified for yeah. and on some level in reality you're unqualified for right. some of, of what would need to happen right how do you justify stepping out like that to chase after the dream? It's a good question, Tom. And, and, and honestly, justification has definitely been part of the thought process over these years, especially in terms of the how can I make this happen? Mm. And one of the best pieces of advice that we got along the way, um, and it really fits this overall category of how do you 
how do you pursue your passion? How do you chase your dream? Especially when you feel like maybe it's too big for you, or I don't know if I'm moving in the right direction, or I don't know if I should do this. It's one of the most simplistic pieces of advice, but it's just so wise was move toward it or move away from it and see what doors open or see what doors close. Mm. And it really takes a lot of the pressure off when you start to look at it in terms of incremental steps, right? If this is a thing that's supposed to happen, if this is, you know, if God is in this, you know, if this is something that I'm supposed to do, not that you can't screw it up, but you know, if, if you take incremental steps towards and things continue to open up, it's a little bit easier to trust that, all right, this is, this is going in the right direction. And if you take a couple of steps away and all of a sudden it becomes really hard to step away, then maybe that means I need to turn around. Yeah. Or if I step away and suddenly it becomes impossible to pursue the thing, then maybe that means, all right, that, that wasn't the thing. And so that's just been, you know, one of the things that we've used as sort of a guiding tool in this process. And you know, so as far as you know, the, the house is concerned, again, we're, we're just in the, the very beginning of this process, but you're starting to take a couple of small steps forward and, and just seeing what plays out. And if nothing else over this time period, we've learned patience and we've right. learned that even as those impulses are still there to Oh man, this looks awesome. We we got to jump now. We got to we got to pull the trigger and we got to make this happen. You know, just having learned the value and the wisdom of if this is if this is the right thing, it's going to be there and it's yeah. going to work out and and you don't have to grasp and you don't have to strive. Not that you can be totally passive, but there is sort of a middle way mm. of, you know, move in the direction of or move away from and do it with thoughtfulness and do it with patience and do it with trust and just see what the next step has to offer. Yeah. I think that's really good. You know, we've over the last couple of weeks talked about some pretty big things, right? For me, transitioning to an entirely different career path uh, for Mike stepping into fathering these boys. And yet at the same time, feeling like maybe he wasn't fathered uh, in the way that he would have wanted to be, you know, and, and for you too, stepping into fathering, stepping into what does it look like to actually take on a pretty significant project house? And, and so I just really love the idea of there can be big dreams and we don't have to jump from A all the way to Z. Right. Right. Like all that we need to be able to do is move to B. Right. And if we get there successfully, Th then great. There, like there's another step and we're moving in that direction and we can eventually get to this big thing that we really feel like we're called to Yeah, and to make it seem more manageable. Yeah. Yeah. There's a whole alphabet for sure. <laughs> yeah. Lots of things that have to happen yeah. in between. Yeah. You're also over the last couple of years as a teacher, mm -hmm. a high school social studies teacher, like I think we've mentioned before. Yeah. But you're also kind of starting to dip your foot into these waters of teaching and speaking and kind of taking on a different role mm -hmm. with our church specifically, but I know there's a bigger picture there. And so what does that look like? And how does that play in kind of the mix of where you guys are at right now? Yeah, Tom, like you said, it's been an interesting transition from you know, high school history teacher to something else, something in addition to. And, and, and it's funny, you know, one of the things that we've been trying to do as we've walked through this series on chasing the dream is figure out how do we find these passions to begin with? 
you know, it feels like it's easy if you know the, the script is already there. If if there's already a passion that's that's burning brightly and is clear and it's obvious and but but what do you do when when you when you don't even know what your passions are and mm. and Tom I think you talked a little bit about this as you were explaining the process that you went through of of discovering what your passions were after leaving education and for me I think I, I realized fortunately early on that one of the places where I just felt alive which is usually a good indicator of passion, yeah. right? That that place where your gifting just seems to be awakened. And for me, that was always speaking, which is fairly shocking given how incredibly shy and <laughs> introverted and awkward I was pretty much for my entire life all the way up through high school. Um, was not outgoing, was not terribly social, but thrived on in-class presentations, yeah. which is just weird when you put all those things together. Like one of those things that just should not be. And you know, even remember having a teacher tell me at one point, at right after a presentation, that I had just done a really good job and seemed really comfortable and was just sort of a natural at delivery. And I think at that point, it just confirmed something that I was already feeling of it wasn't so much about the content. It was more about the platform of this is something I want to do. I, I want to mm -hmm. communicate for a living with people and talk about things that I care about in a way that maybe gets them to care about it too. Yeah. And, and so history was just a natural outlet for that because I love story. I love reading stories. I love telling stories. And so I get paid to tell stories to, you know, trapped teenagers who can't leave for 90 minutes until the bell rings. <laughs> they have to go to the bathroom, uh, which they do. But now I'm finding after 15 years in this job that this skill set and this passion, this, this desire to teach, to share things that I'm passionate about is transferable. That there are other topics, that there are other categories, that there are other things that I'm also passionate about and I want to tell people about. And one of those is really what you know the three of us are after here with, with Strong Towers which is, man, there's just something about life as a man that seems like maybe half-formed a lot of the time. Like, I know what I want. I know where I want to get to. Yeah. You know, I, I want a fulfilling career. I want to be the best dad I possibly can. I want to know that I have what it takes, but I don't feel like it. Mm. I don't feel like that's where I am right now. I don't feel like that's what I have right now. I don't feel like that's what I know right now. And one of the things that I just consider myself so fortunate to have learned over the last half decade or so is how to chase that, how to chase a life of fulfilled desires, of fulfilled passions, of fulfilled dreams, even as I'm still waiting on some of these dreams to be realized in my own life. How do I take these things that I've learned about being a man that, that feels somewhere in the vicinity of if not fully alive, at least becoming alive and feeling, you know, after most of my life, incapable yeah. and needing to just be quiet and fade into the background of, of someone that has what it takes and not in a, you know, domineering fashion or, you know, I'm going to take on the world and I'm going to prove everybody wrong, but in, a, you know, sort of a, a quiet confidence kind of way of, I've got this. 
I can do this. I may not have all the answers right now and I may not see the path in front of me, but I'm ready for what's coming. And that's what I've gotten the opportunity to begin to teach and share and present, you know, in this, in this alternate venue away from high school with an adult audience instead of teenagers who are consistently on their cell phones under their desk when they think nobody can see. And, and to begin to share this vision of what life could look like if you let yourself come fully alive, if you allow yourself to start to go backwards and dig into some of these places where maybe things didn't work out quite like they should have or quite like you hoped they would and begin to live out of this place of an awakened heart, awakened desires, awakened passions, which honestly is, I've come to learn, the life that God actually wants us to live. You know, not a life of religious obedience, but a life of being completely awakened and alive. John, as you're guiding and walking these others through their path, through their dreams, how does that help you in your dreams and your desires and your passions? It's honestly been far more encouraging. It's it's become almost more of a necessity, I think, than I ever realized uh, that I needed this to get myself through my own challenges. You know, because when it's just your story, uh, you see this in movies all the time, right? Like whatever obstacles you come up against seem insurmountable to you. And then somebody else comes along and and either overcomes their own obstacles and you're suddenly encouraged and inspired and you're like, yeah, I can take on anything. Or they look at your obstacles from the outside and they go, oh, hey man, like I see a way around this that you never could have seen because you were just, you were too close to it. You were too emotionally tied up in it. And so for me, one of the, one of the really kind benefits of these last few years of helping others walk through their own stories has been getting to see, frankly, God show up in the lives of dozens of others in a way that continuously reminds me, all right, if this worked for them and for that person and for that person and for that person. And for that person and that one 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 and that one, am I really the exception? Am I really the one that's going to be left hanging out to dry? Or is it just that I just need to to keep pushing through, to persevere? Or, and this has been incredibly difficult, is it that I need to ask somebody to help me look at my own situation and look from the outside and see the things that I can't see? And that's been incredibly difficult because... I'm sure I'm the only man that struggles with this, but I hate asking for help. I truly do. And it's not like the stereotypical, I'm not lost. I'm, you know, making good time in the wrong direction. But like, I hate asking for help. Yet I'm so often the one that's given the gift of helping others and having to learn to accept that help in return, especially when it comes to interpreting my own story and where I'm in the midst of it. That's truly become a necessity. And again, it's one of the things that I'm so thankful for as I sit here with the two of you that we not only get to do this venture together, but that we have this friendship together that, you know, outside of this, when the mics are turned off, we get to be that to each other. Yeah. And it's taken me a long time, but I think I'm at least beginning to break myself of the habit of thinking I need to go it alone if I'm going to make my life work. And that my life will actually be better for 
the company mm. of having others uh, of truly having a community uh, however small however large but doing this with others for the encouragement for the hope for the outside perspective for all of those things for the opportunities to give for the opportunities to receive from because without that honestly don't think that Brooke and I would have made it this far I, I think we would have just gotten bogged down by discouragement and disappointment and frustration and at some point probably would have just said screw it like we're done like this dream this passion this desire clearly not going to happen so let's just bag it and let's go try something else you know we'll just be the cool aunt and uncle to other people's kids uh which is not a bad thing like right. that that's that's definitely got potential written all over it you know let's just acquiesce to a life in suburbia and we'll just get the sweetest townhouse you know, and forget helping all these other people. They're jacked up. You know, let them deal with their stuff and, you know, we're fine. We'll just, we'll make life work for us and you know, just kind of keep people at arm's length. And I'm just so thankful to have had the opportunity thus far to dodge those pitfalls, to have been able to learn the value of inviting others alongside, of being willing to push through and persevere in the pursuit of passion, but just be willing to fight for these good things yeah, and, and not succumb to defeat or frustration. I feel like we're definitely going to have to come back to that idea of community at some point and just the circle of, of friends and the need for companionship, even just to navigate our own stories, which is somewhat, counterintuitive right oh like, totally I, I should be able to walk through my own story by myself right but there's a richness that we miss i think if if we don't do that in community absolutely i think culturally it's something that we've started to neglect so i'm glad that you, you brought that up of, of needing to have those people around you to to kind of keep you on point for yourself yeah i mean it's it's truly counterintuitive i mean the whole point of of growing up is you learn to go to the bathroom by yourself and wipe your own butt and dress yourself and, you know, stop getting rides from your parents and drive yourself and stop taking your parents' money and work for yourself. And in the face of all of that independence, you're supposed to somehow learn dependence. Right. And the necessity of a team, a community, of the necessity of being able to say, yeah, I, I can't do this. I need help. That's a hard lesson. So we got to talk uh, this week about John's story and uh, chasing multiple dreams simultaneously and what that looks like. And this theme that we've been hitting for the last couple of weeks of unfinished, that there are uh, things out in front of us that we're still chasing after, that we're struggling through moving toward but that we're not there yet and john also brought up the idea of community and having people around you to support you to learn from to sometimes call you on your bs <laughs> and so in the vein of of both of those ideas uh, next week we actually have the opportunity to talk with a friend of ours who has stepped out in a really bold way to start his own business and to chase after his dream that seems to 
continuously be eluding him. So we hope you join us back here next time uh, as we get to bring on our very first Strong Towers guest. We hope that you've been enjoying being a part of the conversation that we're having here at Strong Towers. And if you would like to get more information or, or be a part of our community and our conversation, there are a bunch of ways that you can find us. We have a website, strong-towers.com. You can also find us at Facebook at strong-towers.com. Or you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at strong underscore towers. We hope that uh, we'll be seeing you soon.